Yeah, boss, yeah. I have a question about um, aggression. Yeah. Because you said everything we do in the imaginal is held in meta. Um, and yet, you know, with the, the gargoyle, the, the image of fate afternoon. And I have a lot of uh, impulses for very violent things. Um, and it's some, in some way I can deal with it, with the spirit of meta. And oftentimes it overflow into stuff that feels uncontrollable or uncontrolled, and I can get back, I can inhibit, you know, so it can, it, I can work towards the method again. Um, but I'm just wondering, you know, how to play around a little bit with uh, that, because it feels somehow like not inhibiting at times might allow the energy to flow more freely, um, but somehow there's some fear. <laughs> And also sometimes, you know, it should feel very real, like with people around. And sometimes I, I see things when actually things happen, I'm not sure. So I, oh, you see things where things happen? I mean. Yeah, like I, I, I see things in my own imagination which seem to have a relationship to other people's behavior. Like um, streams of energy which will push somebody in a direction and suddenly they'll start walking and do something. Okay. But I don't know if, you know. Uh... Okay, so if I try and summarize and see if I've got just <clears throat> um, asking if, uh, just about this, this notion of aggression and perhaps related to what we did with the movement and something, things I said this morning perhaps. Um, and there's some concern and fear there because there's, uh, recognizes a lot of, um, sometimes what feels like the energy of aggression in, inside and unsure whether it's controllable or not and so there's a kind of um, wanting to inhibit it at times and wanting to just practice metta as, as an alternative to divert that and then and then if I'm, I'm saying the last part of the question sometimes unsure if your the state of your consciousness and energy is affecting other people in a real way is that, is that? Yeah, and in particular with respect to that aggression, because I wouldn't want that, you know, to have a negative impact on people around me. Yeah, yeah. So th- thank you. Th- these are really important questions. And the, f- uh, the first thing to say is just the fact of you asking and having this concern is a really good sign. It's a sign of health. Yeah, so doubt is, um, a kind of intelligent doubt is, is a sign that these are things you care about. You know, and, and you want to kind of do uh, do what's best and do what's healthy and do what's right. Yeah. So that in itself, I I I read as a very good sign. You know, it's a good way to go into any of this stuff. Is is actually with a with a dose of kind of healthy, intelligent doubt and discrimination. So that's one thing. If that wasn't there, and you were reporting all kinds of, you know. Um, uh, uncontrollable aggression and sort of real, you know, then I'm, mm, okay, well, so, something else needs to come in here. But just the fact of doubt and concern there is, a, to me is a really good sign, yeah. Um, this, this and probably also sexual eros are one of, one of the areas where, uh, two of the areas where, where, um, understandably we have a lot of concern, you know. Um, and you know there are 
lots of answers or responses or, or avenues we could open up and, and or kind of point you to outside of the kinds of soul making paradigm that we're doing. All kinds of things, just practice meta or um, uh, all kinds of things. Yeah, I, th- I think this is hard within the soul making paradigm to realize. It's also when, I, for instance, the sexualist when I have um, attraction to someone and it becomes very real. Yeah, and um, it's let's say possible, definitely possible within this paradigm, um, but not necessarily that easy, especially at first when you haven't kind of fully got a sense of what it means for something to be imaginal. I know what imagination means. I can feel energy in my body and all that. But like I said this morning, this word imaginal has this kind of there's quite a richness and dimensionality to it. When that starts to open out, that dimensionality, that fullness of what it means to be imaginal, it's almost like it opens up more space for something. When, uh, for, for, for instance, um, aggression, to become imaginal and holy. And the more imaginal and holy it becomes, or sexual eros, or attraction to someone who's just unavailable, it's just the wrong person to be attracted to, it's not the right situation. When, when I actually, so the, the, the normal impulse that we have as kind of, you know, careful, sensitive human beings is to try and rein all that in. And that's a really valuable kind of avenue. You know, we need to be able to do that. In time with these practices, there's the possibility of letting the thing become more imaginal. So in the case of aggression, it's oftentimes, it's I as subject, the, 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 the person with physical power and with the, the intent to destroy something, in some sense. With the eros, it's, it's, or the sexual eros, it's let the object, let that, per, let that person become more imaginal. What does that mean? They become more than flatly human. They become full of dimensions, full of complexities, full of mystery, full of an unfathomable beyond. And all that begins to fill out. And that creates more folds and more spaces in which the eros can be contained. If the eros is not contained, it has to spill out into action. I have to have that person. We have to concretize some kind of relationship or some kind of sexual action. And it's not to say that's not the right thing or the right thing or whatever, but when there's not that amplitude, the dimensionality of the imaginal, then it has to go, then in this case, the eros or aggression or energy has to act out on a, on a flat material level. So this is, this is not a, a, this is not a basic teaching at all, you know, and I, 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 I think it's, it's really possible and it's not necessarily easy. But the more we get a sense of what does it mean for something to be imaginal, what is that, those kind of, that kind of constellation of, let's say, qualities and aspects and relationship, then the more we kind of trust that, that where, wherever there's dukkha, it can be made holy by becoming imaginal, by being sensitive. So wherever there's eros and attraction, I want that person, I need to have sex with them, or whatever it is, um, it can also, it doesn't have to um, be acted out. And similarly with aggression, it has, if you like, a holy dimension that we're not really actually taught about that in this culture, either with aggression or with sexuality, but it it's becomes um, accessible uh, more and more. And when that, when that space opens up, as I said, it's like, it's like more space, less pressure. You understand? Like, like a gas. It's like more space, there's less pushing that it has to, it has to do something concretely. <coughs> but as I said, I don't think this is, nece- is certainly not what I would, uh, you know, that's not a beginning sort of practice at all. It's, it takes quite a lot to do that, you know, and, 
And there's plenty of people in this room who have a lot of energy and have a lot of eros and have a lot of... You could, from a certain psychological perspective, which is not the normal sense, the gods are knocking loudly, asking for something for them, and there's no conceptual framework to hold or to kind of even regard that energy that moves uh, in any kind of way that gives it any more sanctity or depth. A lot of people in this room right now who, who have that kind of psyche. And... Uh, and it, it's difficult, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an art, really, to learn to open that up to different possibilities. Um, so I, I definitely don't think it's the, it's the easiest thing, but I do think it's possible. And probably the way it comes is really, as I said, uh, repeating, is just getting more and more of a sense gradually of what, what it means for something to be imaginal. What it, what's that experience? What's that relationship? <coughs> and slowly we begin to trust that more and more. It's like it becomes... Um, in loads of interviews, someone presents something, it's like, whoa, there's just so much difficulty there. And can, you know, and it's like, by this point, I have, it's not that I would always use um, uh, the imaginal as how I, how I relate to, to looking at something, but I, I have, by this point, a trust in me that whatever it is, there is an imaginal way, it, there's a way it can open up imaginally that will redeem it, that will give it these holy roots, that will create um, less, less difficulty with it. Um, what to do right now I don't know because it might be more um, we haven't so much spoken about practice so I I don't know quite where we are but it might be more um, leaving that aggressive thing aside a little bit um, and concentrating more on just what what ways the imaginal does come and what ways you can get a sense of it probably if you have a lot of aggression it might be for instance or a lot of people with a lot of sexual eros or whatever it might be that you see, well, that's characteristic of, of images that arise for me. So, um, I've shared in talks, you know, I used to get, um, a, a warrior Im- image, or different kinds of soldier images, you know, and I can really see, I have that in me, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a warrior, you know, um, but not on a physical level at all. So the, the, once that becomes an image, and I kind of sense the holiness in it, and the sense of what my duty is to that, and the sense of it being neither real nor not real, that's really key, it's the rarefication piece. This is neither real nor not real, and it gets refracted into my life, not in an obvious way. So that the warrior for me manifests, um, in, in all kinds, has manifested in all kinds of ways, I've never hit anyone, I've never, you know, not interested in physical violence, etc., but it manifests. It refracts in a not obvious way, and part of allowing it to do that is getting the whole sense of what it means for something to be imagined, which also includes this neither real nor not real thing. Um, but so it, it might be just growing more in the sense, getting more accustomed to the sense of what, what it feels like and what the experience is of, of something being imaginal, and you begin to trust it more. But I would probably guess that as in the process of that happening, some of the images that come will involve power or aggression or a kind of that, that kind of thing. Um, and and then and you will see in meditation the mind goes, Oh I don't know, this is this this can't be right, I don't trust this. Very normal and again um, good response, healthy response. This is where I go back to things like t- trusting more the energy body sense. So let's say I have an image of some um, stomping warrior-like guy or something who seems full of power and energy and ready. He could destroy you know, anything, it seems. Oh, I don't trust this. It doesn't feel very peaceful, etc. 
is what my mind says. But I check my body and lo and behold, there's this kind of alignment. It doesn't feel agitated in any way. It feels open and harmonized. I trust that more than my, my initial mental response. And then I pay more attention with just openness. And I was saying to someone earlier, you can put a ring fence around it. I'm just going to give this five minutes of trust. And after that, I'm going to go back to being suspicious of it. Okay? And I'm just, I'm just p- playing, because trust is one, and we'll talk about this, trust is one of the key ingredients in the relationship with the imaginal. So I can just, just put a ring fence around it, trust it a little bit. And in that five minutes, ten minutes, slowly, you'll start to pick up on the soul-making, uh, the sense of soul-making. There is something mysterious about this. Yes, there's clearly power and physical power and a capacity to destroy. Plenty of people have realized you can't create without destroying. You know, this destruction is not as simple as it, as it seems, you know. Um, but I start to get a sense that there's, there's more to this than what my little mind thinks it is. It's got a kind of, as I said, an inexhaustibility of meaning, an unfathomability, a mystery. There's a curious beauty to it. When these qualities are there, <clears throat> they're part of what it means for something to be soul-making and imaginal. And slowly, slowly, I learn that I can trust these. I don't know if I've shared this on, on a talk. You know, when I was first trying to um, explore and, and um, find, you know, d- develop all, all this stuff, and I used to have um, um, kind of uh, images that were sex- sexual, you know, or, or, or at least um, offering the possibility of sexuality. And... Um, uh, I don't remember if I've ever said this, but, but, so one of them, I had a dream, and it was a woman sort of trying to seduce me, and I was very, this is some years ago, and I was really, I was just beginning to explore the imaginal, find out what it might mean, and, and my tendency with all my practice in history was that, that, that can't be spiritual, so we won't, we won't do that. Um, and it took me probably a few years to trust that. And, and this dream, and I can't remember what stage it was, so this woman, and I was, you know, being my um, monkish sort of self. <laughs> and, and she looks at me with, with a lot of love. So this is now in the morning, working meditation. And she says, you're kind of stupid, aren't you? <laughs> but she said it with a lot of love. So you don't really get it, do you? Um, and it was something about the way she said it. Like, she was teaching me something. And, uh, and, and so I gradually let myself trust that and realize that what looks like hindrance, defilement, etc., in the usual system, actually, it, it can, op- when it opens up to what we mean erotic, imagine it opens up w- way more than that. And yes, it's sexual, and yes, all that stuff, but so much more than, than we think. And I would say the same is true, the same is potentially true of, of what you're calling aggression or power. It's, um, but it's in the relationship, and we have to find, and that takes time. All this takes time, all, all of it. Yeah. So you, you kind of have to, with all this, you kind of have to see, as I said it at some point, what, what am I ready for? What's my edge? What feels okay? What, am I, what do I need to have in place? You know, all that, rather than, um, I mean, some people just jump in at the deep end and sort of just start swimming, and, and that's fine. But I, I have to be responsible to this one, and care for this one, and my... And my pacing with this. You know, there was a reason, um, beautiful reasons, why I was so cautious. I mean, partly it was indoctrination, you know, from spiritual traditions and stuff, but there was a lot of, um, just as in your question, with the concern, it reflects a love. It reflects my love, my willingness to just not tell, well, it feels good, I might as well. 
You know, there's much more care. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So it's like, well, I'm not sure. Why? Because I'm devoted to something. I'm devoted to um, whatever the best thing is and whatever the fullest um, spiritual learning is. And if that means not just indulging in something that, that, is, that might just feel good, then, then okay, that's what I do. So my concern and my hesitation and my slowness was, was a beautiful thing. And I learned something. And she had to teach me in this in this way and do you understand so i don't know what the exact journey will be but but there's something there's something in there you know um and yeah and, and also to say you know i would never say uh, everyone needs to do this and that's the only way you can kind of uh, address aggression or sexual it's just one possibility but some of you and, and maybe you already boss will will feel that i am suspicious i don't quite understand everything that's being said here or taught but I just have this attraction to it, and I have a sense somehow, and I don't quite understand how it's going to work. And and it might be that that's your thread, and you follow that, and, and it does start to unfold, and you do start to really trust, and, and the fullness and the richness you know begins to blossom there. So, okay, good. Yeah. Um, so Andrea, yeah. I have a question about navigation. And first, wanted to just say thank you for sharing your images tonight because that was a really helpful jumping off point, particularly the king. So, after that session, I went outside and I was just doing standing meditation, and at one point, had um, hands on the belly. And the image that came was of a complicated pregnancy. So, um what I wanted to say was the image was immediately beautiful as a concept, as a as a poet and a writer. It it touched me, but it it wasn't fully imaginal. I just liked it. Um, so then there was a sort of trying to resonate with it, um, but feeling that the liquidity wasn't there. There wasn't a uh, a softness, and there was something in the relating to it that still felt like relating to a concept or something that was a bit dry. So I, I stopped, um, so just part of the question in there, because it was just a, um, maybe this is a writer thing of not wanting to tinker with something, not wanting to kill something that has beauty. If it's not ready to be written, it's not ready to be explored. So then I was taking a walk later and thinking, I will ask you this question in the session. And I felt very soft and open because I was out walking in the, um, in the fields. And then there was a slight resonating with um, how a, a complicated pregnancy, of something of, of looking at um, the loss of a possible unfathomable beauty that you don't yet know yet. In, and then immediate tears and immediate um, soulfulness, meaningfulness in, yeah. that, in that moment. So then... Uh, there was a knowing that something had a, had aligned, and then a continued walking of trying to to almost resonate more or pull out more dimensionality, and then a wondering, oh, should I have just have left it alone and stayed with that um, sense of just that beauty? So I guess this is just to express that the, the navigation of these things is I seem to have a sense when it charges or when there's um, oh I can feel the, the soulfulness. But then it feels very clumsy, the, the, the trying to draw out more and more dimensions. Yeah. 
Okay, so if, um, can I briefly sum yeah, it up yeah. for the record? Yeah, so um, Dre's asking uh, sometimes, uh, in this case, what happened was a, a concept arose, or just words in the mind, and they seemed like they, had, they were full of imaginal potential, or even creative potential as a writer. Um, but it wasn't really going to that kind of juicy, full, re- resonant sense. Um, um, but later, um, the added sort of idea or sense of not just a complicated pregnancy, but of uh, a, a mystery that um, could have been born, but then was missed and, and, and not accessed, not open to. And that idea t- touched a lot and felt full of soul. Um, but then wondering if you then tried a little too hard to, to kind of put the foot on the accelerator and, and sort of extract more juice, etc. Yeah. Um, this is really, I think, key not, not to put pressure on, on, uh, on, on, on the whole, on the psyche, really, and not to put pressure on, on images, you know. So, <clears throat> um, one of the characteristics, we may mention it again, one of the characteristics of the imaginal is a sense of grace. Grace means receiving for some Unknown reason why it's not deserving nothing. It just comes. It's given. Yeah. So it's not the whole truth of what it means to be magical. It's one aspect. And so sometimes with that, there is a, there's the attitude that 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 fits a recognition of grace, which is a kind of like it comes and it goes and and it blows and it blows in and out and we're given a whole thing or half a thing or a glimpse of a thing. And so so I think sometimes that attitude is really important. That that relationship with a sense of grace, recognition of grace and relationship with it is already something soul-making, potentially, and already an ingredient that if, if it is something is ready to come, it might, it might help. Yeah. So there's that on one side. <clears throat> and on the other side, um, again, it's one of these things I wish, we wish we could download everything instantaneously. So some of the things that in the instantaneous download you already know, but um, <laughs> um, is that actually Andrea has had it before? Is there's different there's different aspects of the imaginal, and sometimes you know slowly, slowly you, you can kind of get a sense of it, it's a matter of noticing something, um, and that noticing of a kind of uh, char- characteristic there. Um, so um, let's see in your example, um, it, it may be the love. You know, love for this unborn or, or, or this loss, um, and maybe some mysterious love of this that was unborn um, for you. You know, maybe that because love is an aspect both ways of the imaginal, or this sense of grace, or um, uh, I can't think right now what, what else. But you you, you um, begin to slowly get a sense of what are the things I can notice here. They're already there, they're just not obvious to me yet. And that noticing draws them out, and that allows the whole thing to come alive. But in terms of pacing, you know, yeah, I I think sometimes it's hard to tell, you know. Um, Certainly, you know, what happened was there was there was this initial thing, it didn't seem to go. Then there was this kind of middle stage, and there was some juice. So a bit like what I said this morning, was it this morning? It's like there, there's some soul making right there in the richness and the juice of that, and maybe to linger there and let that do its work on the heart. Heartfulness is part of soulfulness, definitely. So let that do its work on the heart and the energy body without rushing. Say, okay, what's next? 
you know. So there's already there was already plenty of juice there. It's a matter of resonating with it. And that's a big part of this, what I said this morning about tuning and resonating and letting something work on you as opposed to you work on it. And sometimes there's none of this is fixed. Sometimes it's let me work on it, you know, it's more active. And sometimes the poise has to be, or the tendency has to be kind of corrected a little bit in someone to be more receptive and more, you understand? So it's, it could be that in that middle stage that you're describing, yeah, there, there could have been more kind of, let's just hang out with this and let it reverberate and ricochet in, in the being and feel it and, and, and recognize the beauty in that and being touched in that. And, and if it wants to go to another level, it will. Yeah. I didn't, does that? Yeah, that's oh, right. yeah? Okay, good. Uh, all right, yeah. um, mine builds on the first question um, around, yeah, as I work with, as I'm, yeah, as I work more with images that don't share the like, ethics of my own life, like that, like act in ways that I wouldn't act, um, as builds on something that happened worked a little bit with yesterday, but, um, I'm, sorry, I want to say, um, I guess there's, there's a, there, yeah, I, I feel strongly pulled to, there's certain energies that I feel strongly pulled to work with and come up a lot for me imaginally, but I, um, I'm, I'm afraid, I have a fear that as I work more with those, that when there isn't the strength of the imaginal container, that that energy is strengthening in, in my life outside of it in ways that are, um, like, totally not what I'm trying to do with my life. And, and I feel that, um, yeah, I just I feel in the midst of that and curious about it. Yeah, so... Energies or images or um well like um image so sorry I'm deciding if I wanna be more specific. Um so there's a, often images that um like images where the sent the imaginal self is um like wanting worship or wanting um, to to be worshipped. Worship. Yeah. Um that's one of them. Yeah, thank you. That's beautiful. And um I'm really glad you said that. You know, there's a tension between our usual culturally dominant ego psychology uh regard for what is a healthy ego and what's too much ego. There's a tension between that whole conceptual framework which we all have inherited and um, some of the things that soul making opens up some of the things that images open up so um, when there's, there's many possibilities here, but one thing that occurs to me right now is um, when when an image arises um, even if I feel like I'm inside that image, or I am that image. You know, I'm identified with the image, as opposed to the image is, is an object other than me. It feels more that that, that way. There's still a sense of, <coughs> what it, it's me and it's not me. Yeah, um, and this is this is really really important. It's part of what I, I'll talk about. I meant to say it this morning, didn't have time. What I call the middle way of the imaginal. 
It's real and it's not real. It's me and it's not me. Yeah, and that that sense is really important. Okay, and even when the image is other, it's not me and it's me somehow. Um, so tuning into that sense amplifies it. Yeah, the more I notice that, it's, this is one of the what we're talking about with Andrea, one of the aspects of the imagination. The more I notice that, oh yeah, it's me and it's not me. Um, the more that's part of what I would call the middle way of the imaginal. It takes its place between real and not real, between me and not me. And I get, at first it feels like that's a really tight rope to walk between those. (coughs) As I get more of a sense of this neither real nor not real, neither me and not me, this tight rope becomes actually a wide open boulevard. It just feels like actually that's the most spacious place to be in that neither real. It opens up doors. What was um, a narrow entranceway or pathway actually becomes huge. Yeah. Again, it's like we said with Boaz, it's a matter of getting a taste for this and beginning to trust it more. So it's me and it's not me. And who's the not me part? Part of the not me part of it is it's, you pick your language, the divine, the Buddha nature, the angels, yeah? So, or, or it's soul, you understand? So it's me and it's not me, and the part of not me is its divinity. It's it's it is soul, yeah. And I would say soul wants to be seen, and soul wants to be seen as sacred, and soul wants to see as sacred. So that the 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 wishing to be uh, worshipped or or recognizing that worship is appropriate or devotion or, or that sense, um, it belongs to to the nature of soul sensing. Does it make sense? Yeah. So again, it's like, we have a very heady, very heady idea, but, um, but the more I sense this, the more comfortable I become in this me and not me, and it's the divine. It's really, it's the way, it's what soul yearns for mostly, is to sense with soul. It's, soul yearns to, to see and be seen, and show itself and reveal itself in images, and have the soulful response to images. That's what soul wants. You, unfortunately, as, as we all are, are just instruments of soul from a certain perspective. We're vehicles for this process. Amazing, um, amazingly delicate and very unique instruments for this process to, to, to play out. Is this making sense? It's a very different, again, we're back to conceptual frameworks. It's a very different way of kind of idea of, of understanding what's going on. If it remains abstract, it's just, don't make no difference. But there's a way in, in, in the, in the practice, in the thick of the practice with this, you can get the senses of these things. And, and a little bit related to Bar's question, the more I sense this, the more I sense that I can trust this. Um, it looks uh, it looks like something we would be suspicious of in our usual psychology, whether it's aggression or a kind of sexuality or a, or a, or this kind of what looks like some kind of ego amplification and stuff like that. The, 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 but something potentially is uh, much deeper is being played out there in, in, in the theater. And as you get a sense of that, the ego doesn't tend to um, identify with it so much. It doesn't need as much to have the, the, the thoughts of whatever superiority or... It, it, it won't, is, no, because, yeah. because, because we're tasting that, if you like, what is superior or that, or that. We're tasting it and we're, we're getting the blessing of it, but not as me in the usual ego sense. 
Um, so again, it's like this might all sound very far-fetched, but I, 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 at this point, I just absolutely trust that this is this is what will happen if if one goes into it with all the sensitivity and care. This is what will open, as opposed to I'm going to get more egotistical, more. Uh, Etc. I'm going to be demanding everyone bows at my feet. <laughs> 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 um, so uh, it, it's hard. This business of trust is is hard. But I think it's probably the case that um, most of you, like I said, have this glimmer of trust in something. We're we, we tend to think from. Um, I don't know how to say this, from from one level out. So it's like, these images are mine, they reflect me, and they're expressions of me, as opposed to you are an expression of an image. Or actually, you are an expression of many images, and some not yet born. Your life is that. Turn everything upside down. It, I'm not saying this is the truth, it's a concept. Yeah, And, and that concept itself is a potentially a soul-making concept. It's rich, it's beautiful, and it does something to... the ego needs. It, it just does something. Now certainly there are other ways of combating ego and Buddha Dharma is full of them and all that and that's great. But there's also this soul making way which looks like well hold on, that's not, that, that looks like it's going in the wrong direction. But it's not because things get filled out and amplified and as I say, given their archetypal roots, given their, given their um, dimensional scope and their sacredness and that changes everything. It becomes about uh, divinity, if you use that word, and not about me, or only about me in, in as much as I wish to somehow um, live and express and sense divinity. And it's not, and I said one, of, I can't remember when I said it, this business about fullness of intention. Like, why am I practicing? Why am I, what, why? Why am I doing this? And eventually it just becomes more about, about that, let's call it a level. That it's, it's, so, it's what soul wants, and it, or it's what the divine wants. And that, that becomes the primary reason, as opposed to me and my personal development, or anything even more sort of grubby than that. Um, does that? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so these things take time. It might help me saying this, and there might still be something, but, but it's, like, it's really in the sense, in, in, we're talking about ideas now, but you can sense these things in practice, and slowly, slowly it's like, ah, this, there's, there's, there's a, f- a freedom here, a whole other dimensions of freedom and possibility that we wouldn't have got. We have to taste it for yourself. And it usually happens gradually. Yeah? Okay, good. Let's have a bit of quiet together. <clears throat> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.